Hello, and welcome to Think Again, a podcast series from Macquarie. I'm Denise St. Ivany, and today we have Jeff King as our guest. Jeff is a portfolio manager with the Macquarie Global Natural Resources Equity Team. And Jeff has an interesting background, having been both an oil industry executive and an equity portfolio manager covering the last 20 years, which included several different market cycles. Jeff, can we start off uh, having you share a bit more about your background? Sure. Thanks, Denise. I appreciate uh, you having me here. Uh, yeah, I'll start off just a little overview of my background. I uh, started uh, out of college at an energy investment banking boutique um, and was there for a number of years uh, before switching over to the investment management side where I worked at a large hedge fund and mutual fund complex uh, focused uh, entirely on the energy portion of that portfolio. Uh, held that position through about 2012 when I got the opportunity to go to uh, uh, be the CFO of a small oil and gas uh, company down here in Texas that was publicly traded. Uh, And uh, after that, uh, in 2018, came back to the investment management side uh, and joined up with Sam Halpert over on the global natural resource team. Uh, uh, to to relaunch the same products that we were running before. Um, so it's been an interesting career, uh, always focused uh, somewhat on energy and natural resources. Uh, and, you know, over that time, I uh, definitely have seen multiple cycles uh, that took place. Uh, during the start of my career, which was in the early 2000s, the industry had just come out, come out of it or was coming out of a pretty severe downturn. And it was really the advent of China and the commodity super cycle, uh, as well as the advent of uh, shale natural gas at that point. Um, and uh, what we saw was a significant amount of investment, a severe run up in crude prices, as you remember, uh, through the early 2000s, um, uh, crude reaching $147 a barrel. Uh, then obviously the global financial crisis hit, and that was the first uh, downturn that I got to live through. Um, and coming out of that in 2009, I would say was the, the uh, true start of uh, the uh, oil cycle and the shale uh, uh, phenomena. Uh, at that point, a uh, number of plays opened up uh, that were more exposed to crude oil, and you had a significant amount of investment that rolled into the industry. Uh, that took place, and when I switched over to the industry in 2012, we were in that, that sort of environment uh, just specifically in the company I went to it happened to be pretty over leveraged. Um, and we used that opportunity of hundred dollar crude oil to implement a strategy to focus the company, delever and grow. Uh, did that pretty successfully um, uh, by selling a number of assets and focusing our CapEx on specific uh, basins uh, and entered the 2016 downturn, really 2014 downturn, uh, in pretty good shape. Uh, in 2014, in November, that's when uh, OPEC kind of opened up the spigots, uh, sending oil prices cratering. And so it was in industry through through that period in a pretty clean company. Uh, we looked to consolidate. We're unsuccessful in doing that, but uh, got a lot of experience in, in dealing with uh, entrenched management teams uh, that uh, were very comfortable in their seat. Uh, we, we did attempt to consolidate, but uh, it didn't happen. Uh, and then uh, we, we had the second spending spree, which really started in 2016 as oil prices recovered. Uh, and that took us uh, through about 2018, um, which really was when the capital stopped flowing into the industry. Uh, there was a lot of malinvestment um, that took place and uh, a lot of capital incineration. And 
Uh, that leads us to where we are today, where there's a deprivation of capital, um, much different management teams, uh, much different shareholder return frameworks, uh, and a much more attractive investment proposition. So I'm sure we'll get more into that, but uh, uh, that's the background. Boy, yeah, that is definitely um, a lot of different market cycles and a lot of different um know, just monumental change in, uh, in the, the space, you know, so you, you've definitely seen a lot of that. Um, so now we've come, you know, through this very eventful year for energy markets globally. Take us through, uh, how did we get to where we are today? Uh, yes, I, obviously, as you, as you mentioned, uh, it's been an eventful year. Uh, I'd say there are two things, notable trends that uh, really took place. Um, that led up to the situation we are in today, which is obviously one of energy scarcity um, and uh, rising demand uh, with a pretty lackluster supply. And I'd, I'd really pin that on two things. One, investors uh, grew a lot more concerned um, a, uh, with the environmental attributes, we'll call it that, of uh, primarily the oil and gas industry, uh, justifiably so. You know, it has a pretty high carbon footprint. Uh, so that was one uh, where capital got removed. But I think that was also a bit of an excuse, uh, given the capital destruction that took place uh, during the previous upcycle. Uh, you went through when we went through 2018 through 2020 in COVID, uh, uh, oil prices obviously went negative, but these companies were over leveraged. They spent far too much money chasing growth, uh, both on the production and reserve side. And uh, that led to a number of bankruptcies uh, and just an absolute incineration uh, uh, of capital and shareholder returns. And so uh, there was definitely a lack of interest uh, coming out of 2020 uh, in the space. In general, uh, to to put into context, uh, energy used to make up about uh, 10% of the S&P on an earnings basis. It's now four. Uh, got four. Two. We went from 10 to four. Gosh. Yes. Uh, well, we're at four today. Um, and uh, uh, so that was that, that was obviously a, uh, a pretty monumental collapse and it has yet to recover. Uh, the industry is making some pretty drastic changes uh, during that period, uh, which is essentially replacing management teams putting in new strategies, whereas before uh, management teams were rewarded for growth, uh, they're now rewarded for shareholder returns, uh, which means uh, you know, much more modest capital programs that, uh, that allow for reasonable growth. So uh, a lot of companies will target the S&P revenue growth is 5%. Obviously, an exploration production company is dependent on oil prices, but they'll grow production, uh, what they can control, uh, by 5 to 10%. And then the rest of that money is coming back to shareholders in the form of dividends and share buybacks. And in the meantime, the balance sheets have been completely cleaned up. So that leverage situation uh, has taken care of itself. Uh, but this is a long way of saying that uh, uh, the supply growth uh, that we've seen in the past is not there. And meanwhile, coming out of COVID, the narrative that oil and gas wasn't important uh, and was going to be replaced entirely uh, by other forms of energy, uh, obviously proved not to be true. Demand has returned uh, to those previous levels and is going higher. Uh, it's probably worth noting, too, that uh, when you look at the history of the world and energy production, there has never been a single form uh, of energy that has actually had uh, demand go lower for an extended period of time, say for one, which is whale oil. 
So, uh, you know, pretty confident demand will be there and uh, supply uh, will remain constrained. Right. So you touched on this, you know, in, in, in your last answer to that question, um, you know, about how we got where we are today, but, but, you know, a little bit more maybe about the capital investment across the markets and how that's changing. And then maybe specifically about the way energy company managements are adapting to this environment. Sure. Uh, so in general, you know, there is a lack of capital available to these companies and that filters through in multiple ways. Uh, uh, you know, you see the notable examples of banks that have uh, pulled out of providing uh, capital to various uh, fossil fuel companies. Uh, and but there's also, uh, you know, a lack of investor interest and in what that how that really manifests itself in general is a higher cost of capital for these companies. Um, uh, with And it's worth noting that this is a very capital intensive industry that requires a lot of capital to grow. Uh, so. Uh, uh, what has happened? Cost of capital has gone up. Um, ability to grow or desire to grow has gone down. And these companies are pursuing much more sustainable business plans, which are much more attractive, which is modest growth. And then using the excess cash flow generated during times like today when commodity prices are higher uh, to reward shareholders in the form of buybacks and dividends. And if you look at the free cash flow yields on these companies, uh, you know, you're getting 10 to 20%, depending on the company, and the shareholder remuneration in the form of dividends and buybacks uh, can be uh, 10 to 20% um, in, in some cases. So, you know, very attractive companies um, and in a, in a very attractive space uh, uh, that obviously has significant tailwinds. Okay, so that's uh, interesting changes to the business. Um, but now let's talk more specifically, I guess, about the U.S. What kind of position is the U.S. in today um, in terms of maybe production, capacity, import-exports? Yeah, so the U.S. today, um, now granted there is about a million, dollar, million uh, barrels a day that are coming from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, so it's, it is biasing this net export number higher. Uh, but uh, we are an all-time record as far as net exports go for crude oil and refined products. Um, and production continues to chase upwards. We're not quite to where we were uh, during the last uh, uh, boom cycle before uh, uh, COVID hit and capital was reined in. Uh, but we, we're approaching uh, we're at 12 million barrels a day of production. Uh, we expect that to grow another 750 to a million barrels a day. Uh, so, uh, in general, that net export number should continue to grow. It has pretty significant implications, uh, you know, beyond, I mean, you, you think of what is going on in Europe now or some of these other economies where their energy is short, uh, you know, it's a significant advantage uh, to the United States. Uh, and that also goes for natural gas as well, where we are exporting uh, a fair amount of LNG and have a natural advantage uh, when it comes to natural, ga uh, natural gas prices. Um, here versus uh, over in Asia or in Europe, uh, given uh, the amount of shale gas and associated gas that we have here in the United States. That's important for a number of industries, uh, whether that be chemicals or importantly fertilizers, um, uh, which is basically just stripping a natural gas molecule to, to create ammonia and nitrogen. Um, and uh, uh, gives a number of under, other industries uh, 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 a significant 
significant advantage. So, you know, we're net exporters of crude. We're we're exporting a ton of uh, ammonia uh, and other fertilizers. Uh, chemical companies are heavily advantaged, and we uh, are are continuing to grow LNG exports. So, you know, ideally, it's it's something that as Americans uh, we should take pride in. Has significant economic implications. Has significant political uh, implications. Um, and, and we're in very good shape. So, uh, I think that, uh, that trend should continue. The only thing that's going to change that is, you know, if we do head into a, a global economic recession, there's a significant, uh, demand reset. Uh, obviously that'll have an impact on commodity prices and, and slow, uh, some of the spending, uh, and, and, and that could flip. But, uh, overall, as we, as we see the market today and in the U.S., uh, uh we're pretty encouraged. Well, that's encouraging to hear, and I'm glad to hear that, uh, like you said, in the U.S., we should take pride in these industries and how well we've done and adapted to the market environment. So that's good to uh, good to hear from you. Well, I suppose we should end on that high note, um, but I know there's uh, lots more that we could discuss in this space, so I hope you'll be a guest again on our program. I'd love to keep uh, in touch with you and see how things are going as the, uh, the markets continue to evolve and the economy continues to change. For sure, love to to give continue uh, continue to give updates. Uh, there's a lot going on uh, within the space, uh, both in oil and gas, as well as other uh, natural resources and uh, alternative forms of energy that uh, are pretty exciting. So uh, it's ever changing, and look forward to catching up next time. Very good. Well, thanks again for being our guest. This recording is intended for financial professionals and institutional investors only. This is not intended for use with the general public. The views expressed in this podcast represent those of the speaker and are subject to change. Nothing presented should be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security or follow any investment technique or strategy and does not constitute advice, an advertisement, an invitation, a confirmation, an offer or a solicitation to engage in any investment activity or an offer of any banking or financial service. Throughout this presentation, various securities and companies are referenced. Examples given are for illustrative purposes only and were not chosen based on performance. This is not a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. All examples herein are for illustrative purposes only and there can be no assurance that any particular investment objectives will be realized or any investment strategy seeking to achieve such objective will be successful. Past performance is not a reliable indication of future performance. Before acting on any information, you should consider the appropriateness of it with regard to your particular objectives, financial situation and needs, and seek advice. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made as to the accuracy or completeness of the information, opinions, and conclusions presented. In preparing this recording, reliance has been placed without independent verification on the accuracy and the completeness of all information available from external sources. Macquarie Asset Management is the marketing name for the Asset Management Division of Macquarie Group. Investment products and advisory services are distributed and offered by and referred through affiliates, which include Delaware Distributors LP, a registered broker-dealer and member of the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and Macquarie Investment Management Business Trust, a Securities and Exchange Commission registered investment advisor. Investment advisory services are provided by a series of Macquarie Investment Management Business Trusts. Other than Macquarie Bank Limited, none of the entities noted in this podcast are authorized deposit-taking institutions for the purposes of the Banking Act of 1959 from the Commonwealth of Australia. 
The obligations of these entities do not represent deposits or other liabilities of Macquarie Bank Limited. Macquarie Bank Limited does not guarantee or otherwise provide assurance in respect of the obligations of these entities unless noted otherwise.